But what is she barking at, really? <laughs> She's barking at the devil. Hi, friends. This is Under God. I'm Jackie Newsom. And I'm Isaiah Lewis. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Yeah, so we are back and we're we're talking about Matthew. This is the lectionary is trying to, to set us out uh, straight in the new year, uh, talking about what Jesus wants before before he's gonna go die. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. We're so, doing our lectio divina, so we are reflecting on the text. Right, we're gonna read, we're gonna reflect, we're gonna talk about what comes up for us. This is just an opportunity for us to be um, connected to one another and connected to the Bible. I think it's important to to be super transparent here. And, and I'll speak for myself and say it's been really hard to connect to the Bible during the pandemic. And I appreciate this time with you, Isaiah, to really take a deep dive, center myself, force myself to be still and present and and to continue to navigate and question and grapple with the text. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I I have to be honest too. I felt a little bit nervous even beginning because it's been, it's been a long time and I've been a little bit worried, like, do I know how to do this? But we're just having a conversation about the Bible and about what stands out for us. And I can do that. And I'm, I'm glad to do it with you. Yeah. And to all of our listeners, like you can do it too. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with us. You can do it with your friends and family members. Um, So if you feel like we do and feel nervous or worried or out of practice, that's okay. Come on in, take your time. If you want to take longer pauses and listening to this episode, whatever you need, this is a pressure free zone to think about, explore, question the Bible and God, especially in light of all that's going on right now. For sure. So today we're going to be reading out of the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a longer passage. Um but it's, it's another one of the pretty famous ones, I would say. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Now, when the human one comes in his majesty, and all his angel, angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? 
When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for me, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then, then he will say to those on his left, get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you didn't give me food to eat. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me. I was naked and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison or and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you haven't done it for one of the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So now we're just going to take a moment to um, reflect on words and phrases that stood out to us in this passage. Then the king will say, mm. or um, like comes in his majesty, mm. that language. Yeah. Like majestic throne. Yeah. Sheep and goats, those who are righteous. All the nations. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Yeah, that one. Eternal, eternal punishment. Also that one. When did we see you? The unending fire. Before the world began. I have concerns. <laughs> Yeah. I have concerns. I saw some new stuff here. I oh, saw, yeah. yeah, I feel like I didn't, I wasn't appreciating that this is potentially a conversation to the nations and not individuals. And I like that a little bit better. Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, because I think it jives more with my understanding or my, my, connection to James Cone's like definition and understanding of sin being a communal thing. Mm. Right. And so if it's the whole nation, so for example, when James Cone talks about it, he's, he's talking about in the old Testament, like the, for example, like the people of Israel not obeying God, but it's not about like each individual's actions. It's about like the group as a whole mm. and the ways in which they show up or respond being being understood as sin and so i feel like here if there is sort of a gathering moment or a judgment right it's i mean the title that we're given is judgment of the nations if there's a moment where where it's the whole community then it's not about individual 
shortcomings, right? And it's not about individual errors. Mm -hmm. It's about the whole. And that makes me feel like, it's just a reminder that like, we all are part of the body, right? And we all have work to do, but like, we're still one. And so this isn't the divine or the king picking on you or picking on me. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is a group project. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel safer in some ways, but also better about the the strength or the depth of this indictment, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I think about the United States as a nation, mm-hmm. then I can't help but think, okay, we're not, we're certainly not the righteous, right? And that helps me want to think about how to improve versus if I'm like, if this is about me as an individual, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm winning. Yeah. You're checking Uh, all the boxes. Yeah. And so that, I don't know, it makes me feel a little bit better because it's like this also, this whole passage also makes me think about Ada Sazi Diaz's, and I've mentioned, I know I mentioned this before, but like charity versus solidarity. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that what, what the author is trying to get at here is not the charity of I gave you food when you were hungry, right? Or I gave you something to drink this one time in this isolated situation or in, you know, at the, at the food pantry, right? Or at the soup kitchen. It mm-hmm. is about the way I lived, right? Or the way the nation lived and the way we lived when we didn't know who you were, right? The, the, it, was, it, was, it was a an inherent sort of fundamental ethic of care. Mm-hmm. that to me is is about solidarity and isn't about charity because charity doesn't. And I was actually having this conversation with a group of, um, I think everyone in the group was a baby boomer. The conversation we were having about what is the church's responsibility when it comes to racism? What can the church do? And I feel like the whole group was very much focused on, you know, we can talk about it and we can do soup kitchens and we can do toy drives and we can do turkey giveaways. And I was like, no, actually we need to build grocery stores. Right. And then we need to lobby for free food beyond what you get on a link card. Right. And like, we need to be rebuilding structures. Right. And if the church, the church has the resources to buy property and then allow people to have some place to live. Like that's what, you know, that's what we're doing. And that's the, potentially a difference between charity and solidarity. The church being anti-capitalist, right, is the difference between charity and solidarity. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, it seemed like a very difficult pill to swallow for that group. And so when I read this text, I feel like I'm, I, I'm hearing the tension, right, of one group being like, wait a minute, we don't remember you needing anything and, and us not giving it to you. Mm-hmm. And the other group being like, what are you talking about? We were just living our lives. Mm. All that just, it's really striking to me and it's really timely. Of course, I have like nerdy questions about sheep and goats. Like, like is there an intelligence conversation? Is it, is it important that, there, that this is not specifically saying Jesus? Is there something else we should understand about the king and the majestic and the use of Lord in this text? And then I think my last big tension or question is like, I like to identify as a universalist. And so I don't like what feels to be this condemn me like 
verse 46, and they will go away into eternal punishment. And there's mm-hmm. some real direct, I think what we have interpreted as in the United States, right? As hell language about the devil and the devil's angels, right? And fire and basically like you, I read this as like y'all going to hell. Mm. And it's like, whoa, 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 bro, slow down, slow down. You don't mean that. You don't mean that. It's like what I'm doing in my head. Um, mm-hmm. So what what do we make of this? Is this a function of the author? Right? Because I don't want to put this on Jesus or I don't want to put this on the divine. And why is it here? And why is it so strong? And why is it so mean? And where's the grace? Those are my things. First off, I really love your reflection on you know, what it means to be speaking to the nations. Yeah, like what would it look like if a nation was standing in solidarity with the people that it has up until that point sort of condemned to death? (laughs) You had a lot of questions at at the very end. And I think I share some of those questions, but the first thing that I would kind of think about is you were asking about the language around was there a reason why it didn't directly say God or Jesus, um, why it was talking about the Lord or the Son of Man? Um, and you were asking about why is it so mean and all of that. And this is a parable. This isn't just like a speech that Jesus gives about who's good and who's bad, who's in and who's out. But it's actually in this long line of this this string of parables that Jesus is telling right at the very end of his life before he's about to be, yeah, like right after this, we've got the plot to kill Jesus. And so this is really like Jesus's last opportunity to have a, a moment when he's teaching his disciples. And he is using really strong language, um, but it is also, it's an apocalyptic story. It's not not just a lecture. And I think that could be helpful in thinking about what might be in some ways hyperbole. Like, I know that it can be hard to kind of think about Jesus not using language that is literal when it comes to talking about, you know, especially the devil or heaven that kind of thing like the kingdom of heaven not that the kingdom of heaven isn't isn't literal but it's possible that he's meaning something different when he's he's using that language can i jump yeah yeah totally you you i just for i think for certainly for my sake and also perhaps for the sake of some listeners can we can we break down or can we talk about what parable means and and how that can inform what we're reading, parable verses, some uh, speech from Jesus with his, you know, crown on and like silky black robe and slippers. Like <laughs> what, what, you know, what um, work is that distinction doing for us? Yeah, for sure. In really simple terms, a parable is a story. Um, and it's a story that's designed to make you think. It's sort of a puzzle to a certain extent. It's not just a, like a fable, um, which is a story that has a a moral that's pretty, pretty obvious that you can get pretty simply. 
a parable is more ambiguous than a fable. So whereas a fable like the tortoise and the hare will um, lead you to understand slow and steady wins the race, right? A parable is going to leave you, you scratching your head a little bit. You're not going to be entirely sure what the point was. And so whenever we read parables, I think it's helpful even when we are looking at, at stories or verses that we've heard over and over again to kind of keep in the back of our minds that it's not as straightforward as all that. Um, that there isn't a one-to-one correlation between, okay, well, the king is Jesus and uh, the sheep are the good people and the goats are the bad people and we want to be the good people so that we don't end up in hell. Like, we can, we can do that, but really what we see in the passage is a king and some sheep and some goats and that's what's happening in the story and so we can we can use those elements to think and to play a little bit more than we are kind of accustomed to doing does that make sense yeah and i just want to say it is helpful i just want to say that the dog is is actually being your amen corner that's what's happening now and okay. so because you are preaching a good word that the barking is, is every time you, you say a wonderful thing. And so I'm, okay. I'm here for it. Holy ghost. So it's, it's not the devil's watchdog anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Not right now. Just checking. Cause it could be like demon alert, like, a, ah! like kerosene watch or something, you know, like, man, like the bullshit alarm is going off and it's oh going off gosh. hard. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, wait, I want to, I want to, one more thing. Uh, this, this part, it's uh, like 34B, inherit the kingdom that was, pre- that was prepared for you before the world began. Because I think that can produce questions about like predestination and like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I was just like, whoa, whoa, what are we, I just feel like we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot here. There's, a, there, we're doing a lot here. And I feel like when this is typically read or when I typically read it, it's really just about feed the hungry. And we, and we let me, right, just be very clear about my bias. And we totally skip the visit people in prison part, okay? No one yeah. is pressed about that part at all. But <laughs> provide clothes and feed people, like, that's it. And that is the extent of, like, and you're a bad person if you don't do it. And that's the extent of, of like, grappling this text gets. So I'm just trying yeah. to name all of the other things that are here that are valuable things to think about. But, but of course, to any listeners who are here for my consistent prison abolition commentary, I am certainly <laughs> like want to name that I see that, that that is a thing that's very clear and would certainly want to apply it to today. Um, even if that's a little eisegesis, I would like to call it liberation theology and say, right, even more so there's something, um, there's something to be said, or there's something required of us when it comes to being present, um, for people who are in prison and, and remembering their humanity. Um, and that has to extend to our commitment to abolition, but 
Okay, I'm done. Go back. Teach us, Isaiah. Go. Teach us the yeah. thing. No, you're teaching us right now. I mean, I don't think it's eisegesis at all. Like, literally, like, and eisegesis um, is a phrase that, that is a word that sort of means, like, putting your own uh, opinion on top of the Bible, right? Um, and I don't think that's what you're doing at all. Um, I'm. What we're being asked to do is imagine God as a person in prison. Like if you're talking about solidarity, like in no in no place does it say, but only if the person in prison is innocent do we imagine Jesus as God. Preach, preach. Or this Jesus word. as as a prisoner, preach right? It's this. like there aren't any like only cats. if they're not on drugs do we feed them and give them clothes. right 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 it's like only if you are trying to find a full-time job do you get um do you get our food or only um only if you provide a waiver that says that you really need it right right like god isn't asking for a waiver and god isn't asking for innocence Mm-hmm. Um, God is saying, I'm, I'm the person who's looking you in the eye right now. I'm the person you're refusing to look in the eye right now. I don't know. I, I tend to think about whenever we have this conversation about the kingdom of heaven or around hell or something like that, I tend to kind of think about natural consequences, not in terms of like it, like natural consequences of, well, you go to the good place if you're good, you go to the bad place if you're bad, but more like what kind of world are you building when you understand that the person that you are avoiding is God? Like what kind of world are you building? Mm. Like you're building a, a, a world filled with hell because you're ignoring God. Like you're, you're building a place in which people are denied what they need uh people are thrown away in prison never to be seen again by anyone who loves and cares for them if you don't visit people in prison then the prison gets to do what it wants to 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 the people who are there because nobody's noticing Mm -hmm. right in addition to the people who are there not getting the individual love and attention and respect that they deserve like it is complicity within this larger death dealing system Mm -hmm. so yeah like Jesus is using strong language in this parable but like would we not say that right now we're living in a place run by the devil and his angels Mm. (laughs) like like we're living like like the fruits of our current system are that you know hundreds of thousands of people are dead yeah like people don't have anything to eat like congress has been is being paid $113,000 $113,000 per person to decide whether or not we get $600. Yeah. Right. After so many of us have lost our jobs, like there's so much that's happening in our nation as one of the nations that shows what happens when you do not look your neighbor in the eye and see God. Mm. And I think that we can kind of contrast that to some of, of the other nations. Not that not that there are places where things are going well, um, or or countries where, you know, 
folks have it all together, but there certainly are countries that have more of a sense of solidarity with one another, mm-hmm. um, where the death rates are not as high, um, where people are able to stay at home because they're being paid, right? And so they're able to eat, um, where there is a sense of sacrifice on the part of the individual for the love of, of a neighbor who is immunocompromised. And in those places, it looks a lot less like hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it might not necessarily be heaven, but it's building its way towards a kingdom where everyone is safe and free. It's building a way to a society where we can have eternal life, maybe not in the no one ever dies sense, but in the sense that like there is way more life than death. And that's not something that I think we can say about our our society right now. And we're seeing that in a very visceral body count way. Right. Right. Very tangible. Yeah. Not we're not in theory world. We're not in theory world at all. Lots of people are ultimately okay with killing each other. And if that's the case, then that would suggest that Americans don't really have souls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly we're okay with the, the, the sort of things that are happening in our faces. We're okay with people not having money. We're okay with people not having jobs. We're okay. We're okay with people not eating. We're okay with people in cages dying, right. Or not being let out. Like I, you know, you know, and the listeners know, I see this every single day. Like we're lit. we, we have, gone back to arresting people like normal, keeping people in custody pre-trial like normal. Where they're in Philadelphia, they're now doing a shelter in place. So my clients are stuck in jail. They're not even being brought to their court hearings. And it's like there were ways to avoid this and we and we like actively didn't do them. You know what right. I mean? Like it wasn't right. even like passive, we're just not going to act. No, no, no. We actively continued to arrest people and we actively denied bail motions. Right. And there are obvious alternatives that we did right. not take. Right. Right. This whole time. And again, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying because it's it's a comment on the nation. This We're not talking about individuals. We're talking about what we did, what we all did. And I think that it's also helpful in the midst of that, like in the midst of that depravity. Well, two things. One, that this this ties back, this is sort of a bookend to one of the first things in Matthew that Jesus has to say, which is the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so we we hear who is blessed in that in that passage, you know, um, blessed are the are the poor, mm-hmm. blessed are are the meek, mm-hmm. uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Yeah. Right. These are these are all the people that that Jesus names as particularly holy. And that's how Jesus starts out his ministry. And this is at the very end saying, so what did you do for those who are who are hungry for justice? Like, what did you do? What did you do for for your neighbors? Are you among those people who are blessed? Uh But then Jesus goes and dies. Right. So you were asking about mercy. And I think the mercy that we see is that, like, Jesus is not confused about how depraved we are. Um, this is where my Presbyterian uh, upbringing shows up. I'm sometimes, like, a lot more clear on how bad humans are than I can be good at 
like seeing how good God's grace is. Yes, word. But I think those two things go together, right? That God isn't confused about how messed up we are or how messed up our nation is. Like that is why Jesus agreed to die for us. Like not in a way that's like trying to appease God, but in a way that's trying to appease us and our own blood loss to be like, guys, you don't have to do this anymore. Mm. Like you don't have to scapegoat people anymore. Like, look, I will take on the role of scapegoat just to demonstrate that like all these people that you want to say are, are other, are evil, deserve it, whatever. Like I'm the ultimate example that that's not true. So you can Mm -hmm. stop playing this game. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's pretty powerful that this is where Jesus ends because Jesus is saying like, do you want to be ruled by the devil and his angels? Because that's what you're doing right now. And you don't have to. We can turn this thing around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you just stop to see your brother and your sister as not one of the least of these. Mm -hmm. Because they're not any more lesser than you are. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, there are no scapegoats. Mm -hmm. Because you can't push somebody to the margins anymore. Mm -hmm. Because they're your brother and your sister. Yeah. And that's how we get to eternal life. That's how we get to life in general. It it makes perfect sense to me that Jesus has to talk in these extremes to get us to pay attention. What do we, so much, so much of me is like, what's the good news? But before we get there, is there any Matthew based context you want to provide beyond like from a, a writer perspective? Um, Cause I think you've given good, excellent context about what's ha- what the moves that are happening throughout the text to set us up here. Um, so that's just a question. And then a question about, do you want to talk about, and this genuine question, do you want to talk about any other questions that I posed? Sheep, goat. I mean, I think we dealt with the harshness really, really well, which was like the biggest thing for me. One of the things that I read was talking about how it is notable that it's for the nations. So it's talking about essentially like it, it may well be talking about Gentiles as opposed to Jewish people or even Jewish Christians at, at this moment that um, the people who are listening to Matthew are, are hearing it. Um, and if that's the case, then that would cast a different light on what this means if we're talking about the nations as not including Jewish people or Jewish Christians. That's what one commentator said. I would like to disagree with that um, simply because we see in various prophets, books of of the prophets, where God's judgment includes um, Mm -hmm. Judah, right? Includes Mm -hmm. Israel um, as like, you don't get us, you don't get away from, from this judgment. Like you are held to the same standard as, Mm -hmm. as the other nations. Um, so I, I, I think that that's worth pointing out that the audience may have thought of themselves as different from those of the nations, but ultimately what we see in reading other texts is that God holds the same standard for all people. Mm -hmm. Um, and particularly in Luke, that's something that that's more obvious than it is in Matthew, 
but I think that we can we can make that argument um, reading scriptures as a whole. So that's all I would say about context. The question that I, I was going to ask you was like, why is it that nobody in the story knows what's going on? Like the people who, like the sheep who, who do all the right things and the goats who were doing all the wrong things or at least not doing the right things, you know, sins of omission or whatever, don't know what's going on. But I really love you your mean, answer. Lord? When did we see you? Like, yeah. Right. Right. But I love that. Like, I love your answer, which is one group had an ethic of care and an ethic of solidarity that was just their way of life. And the other one didn't. And so it wasn't particularly obvious to either because both of them were living their lives in the way that they understood how to live their lives yeah and i love that i love that as an explanation like you don't feel like you deserve extra cookies for living your life uh in solidarity and in relationship with other people and seeing other people as like human beings made in the image of god like so then it comes to as a surprise to you when somebody else thinks it's significant in some way or not significant but like particularly noteworthy right right so thank you for that yay i like the ways in which you frame this and and i like the idea that we can turn this around this feels kind of hellish but we can still turn it around right as being good news that like this isn't that i don't know that we could like that we can fix it that we can fix our behavior I like the the good news of like God has something to say, right? Or the divine or the sacred text has something to say about this behavior, right? That this that this matters, right? That our behavior as a nation matters to God and that those of us who feel disappointed and hurt and afraid and frustrated are not alone. You know. Um yeah. like I think those are two very real pieces of good news. But truly what I want is like that prosperity, just super good feeling like, and everything's going to be all right. Or like, boom, this text tells us this amazing thing. Um, Right? I feel like if you are someone listening and you've experienced hunger, thirst, homelessness, nakedness, you know, illness or imprisonment this text certainly says you are to be cared for you matter you are valuable that is not negotiable you know um this text gives good news about what our ethics should be around caring for others but like i don't know i want i want more right i want a new year new me <laughs> 2021 is going to be our year uh, type of type of vibe from this. And I don't, I don't know that I have more than what I just said. Yeah. I mean, I think what you just said feels like good news in that human beings deserve good things because they are made in the image of God. Mm. Um, I mean, that feels like some pretty good news to me. Like, 
that deserving isn't really on the table other than yes <laughs> you do because mm-hmm. that in and of itself abolishes capitalism actually mm-hmm. no you don't have to die because you don't produce enough or make something that we think is valuable which is probably yeah. like our system of deciding who counts and what counts and what we're going to pay for and what we're not like is so utterly jacked that just saying like actually no like that feels like some good news to me i think the good news is that we can stop playing this game if we want to that there's a clear way out and i i hear you that that might not feel like enough good news because it seems like nobody is paying attention like the opportunities abound to just like stop it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we don't stop it I have to believe that God is always already saving us, that there is something that we're not seeing that is happening behind the scenes that maybe it's a little bit harder to do the dehumanizing. Like maybe it's a little bit harder than, than we know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the good news is in terms of, it being all right in the end whenever I'm really stressed out or whenever I'm upset or scared or whatever my prayer my default prayer is let this be enough Hmm. that's maybe my prayer in this moment too is like let it be enough whatever whatever we have to make to lessen the possibility that this all just ends in more hell. Yeah. Like, let it be enough, whatever we have. That's interesting because my prayer when I feel overwhelmed, especially when I'm doing like doing something for others, whether it's like helping out my family or, or court, you know, work-related stuff, and I don't feel equipped, I pray for more than enough. Mm. Give me more than enough. Um, and so similarly, I think that's a, an appropriate prayer for the listeners, right? Like let, let this podcast, let this episode be more than enough. Yes. Be filling for those who need to be filled, you know, be more than whatever we need when we listen. Yes. Sometimes believing for us at least is not having the answers and just sort of stopping and acknowledging that. And then the rest is a matter of faith. Um, and I'm, and I'm totally comfortable with, with that. Cause that's my truth. So beloved, remember, remember that you can always ask God for more than enough. Now go and live as free people. And no matter what, keep the faith, baby. Amen. Amen. Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. Sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. Sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell.